Freethinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Now, generally speaking, we seek out guests for this show, people who we find are doing extraordinary work to help others, to educate and enlighten people, and to create solutions to complex problems in society. Rarely are we lucky enough to find a gem. But this week, we were that lucky. Our guest this week is 9-11 whistleblower Adam Eisenberg. Adam is a 9-11 Pentagon first responder who was on scene hours after the, quote, attack happened. Adam reached out to us, and obviously for us here at the Free Thought Project, asking questions to someone who was there is a bit of a dream come true, as we've long studied many theories relating to 9-11 and that tragic day. Now, spoiler alert, we do talk about a lot of things fact-checkers would call false or missing context, so buckle up and enjoy. Hey Adam, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the Free Thought Project podcast. Nice to meet you guys, I appreciate your time. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation now since, I guess, before 9-11, when you reached out to us through our Instagram account and shared that you were a 9-11 Pentagon first responder. Now, you've sent me all the documents, the pictures, the PDFs, the records that prove that you were there, and I don't have a doubt in my mind that's the case. Uh, Your unit even helped retire the American flag that hung down from the side of the Pentagon after the attack on 9-11. So I have a feeling we have a lot to talk about in this conversation But I should ask, as someone who was on the scene at the Pentagon, from your estimation, did you see any signs that indeed a commercial airline jet actually did hit the Pentagon on 9-11? Without a shadow of doubt, no. Um, I never once saw any luggage, any personal effects. Um, I never once saw any bodies that looked like they were actually on the planes. Um, And most importantly, and I I really, uh, I pride myself on this, I'm probably the only first responder that has professional working experience with airplane parts. Um, I specifically worked um, for UPS um, in tandem with uh, Pratt & Whitney. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Pratt & Whitney. Uh, They are one of two companies that manufacture the jet engine that went on the Boeing 757. Um, And so I'm very knowledgeable and I'd be happy to discuss my, my expertise when it comes to airline parts, but um, I'm probably the only person on site that can say that they had that experience. And that's one of several things that really allowed me to kind of really get confident in saying the things I'm saying. Um, but nope, never saw any uh, anything like an airplane part. Um, so yeah, and I spent roughly 240 hours. There was a two company rotation between Alpha Company and Bravo Company of the Old Guard. Uh, we did 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. They did 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, so all that time spent there. Um, and I'm not the only one that was saying these things. Um, no, nothing. You know, is there any chance like we could coordinate something and actually just show up at the offices of these fact checkers that keep fact checking us and telling me that th- there was actually a plane that hit the Pentagon and that <laughs> all my uh, suggestions that in my theory that there wasn't a plane. And in fact, you know, if you look at the evidence, you look at even the, the camera footage that the Pentagon themselves provided, there is no footage of a plane actually hitting it. There's some grainy footage. Next thing you know, there's a big explosion. Uh, we could also say, you know, that the telephone poles, the, the light poles, the trees all nearby. Uh, these are all things that conspiracy theorists online have kind of pointed out, yet just for just acknowledging these facts uh, were considered, you know, um, you know, extremists and crazies. And, uh, you know, we get hit left and right by these fact checkers. But here you are, you know, you're 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 proof, you're living proof, you're on the ground, you know, firsthand. Well, I can I can tell you, I'd be I would be happy to talk with these fact checkers. But um, I can also tell you um, that 
the world has been arguing, the 9-11 truth world has been arguing for years, and the Pentagon is the single-handed most divisive issue in the truth movement. It basically destroyed the truth movement. Um, but there are so many things I could say in that regard. Um, I found that in my journey of kind of talking about what I'm talking about, it wasn't enough. Um, I can sit there and say to people, hey, I spent 240 hours there, look at all these things. Um, and still, some people, their dissonance is so set that they just, they can't buy it. So I went further than that. And um, I, I guess the best way to say it is that researchers on the subject can only go so far. Firsthand responders that were there um, open doors that normal researchers can't get to. And in my almost two years of doing this, um, I started to open some doors and um, the, the people that were on site that were in these uh, supposed leadership positions, um, I've gotten them to say some things that are crazy. Um, I, I liken it very similar to that of, uh, have you ever seen the movie A Few Good Men with Jack Nicholson? And uh, so, you know, at the very end when he gets Jack on the stand and he basically gets him to incriminate himself. Um, well, I've done that. And um, I, I have done that in such a way that right now, as we speak, um, if, if there were some legitimate people in federal law enforcement that would look at my evidence, um, I, I have every reason to believe that a new investigation into 9-11 would occur. Um, I have people on record, these are leaders on record, um, highest echelon of leaders on record saying things that are so deceptive, they're laced with deception. Um, but you also brought up another great point, the cameras. Um, I've established a relationship with a man named Xander Arena. The man is brilliant. He works for the Veterans Administration. He practices nuclear medicine. He's a member of Mensa. Um, he has recently um, done excellent work in debunking the cameras. And so um, he's already told me that he's basically on board. I don't want to quote him now, um, but he's told me in conversations that he would basically be on board with um, showing his work to the world. Um, he's kind of buttoning up a few things. But um, but yeah, there there is so much overwhelming evidence to show uh, foul play. And what I've basically been doing in the last two years um, is utilizing my experience as a first responder there, person that also cleaned up the, the mess um, to to, to shake some things. And then while I'm doing that, I've been going around the 9-11 truth movement and finding the legitimate researchers that actually are devoted to the truth because um, pe most people's understanding of that event is very shallow. And um, so that's what I've been doing for the last two years is, is finding these people. And I, I, I finally can tell you definitively, I have confidence that from a full circle 365 degree view, um, we have the, the the government agents that were there on site that had no business there that were cleaning up the crime scene there. Um, we have them in an inescapable stranglehold. Um, and, and so now I'm going out and finding people like yourselves and just saying, hey guys, I can walk you through all this evidence. It's crystal clear. And um, you know, I, this affects all of us. And so this is you know, just as much your movement as it is mine, but I, I'm looking for partnerships with people like yourselves that can me. You guys have experience in this game. Um, I never in a million years dreamed that I was going to be in this position, but I can tell you without a shadow of doubt that for the last two years, um, I've been playing chess matches um, with, with people that um, are attached to the highest echelons of the Central Intelligence Agency. These people know who I am, um, and um, it's, it's, it's been a crazy ride. You sent us that picture in the email of you carrying the flag at 9-11. How, was it immediately that you started to question all this or, or later on? What, when did all when did you start like putting all the dots together? Well, it started pretty close to September 11th um, on site. It just if you looked at what we saw, the pictures never do any of it justice, but it just it didn't seem like a commercial airline hit the building. Um, so I can actually also prove um, that other people were saying these things. There's a there's a research document. Excuse me. There's an article that um, was was done by a, a gentleman that was walking around, just a freelance individual. And I'm trying to get my hands on that. But a lot of people in this document, he was interviewing people, um, say the same things that I'm saying. And these are people that were also in my company. But I was questioning it from the moment we were there. Um, and as time went on, uh, my my just my intuition told me that foul play was there. I've, I've always been saying the things that I've been saying, but I, I basically didn't want to go any further with it because anytime I talked publicly about it, I got the fluoride stare from people. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. They, I call it the fluoride stare, yeah. but 
Um, but, you know, I would say these things to my family um, and they acted like I was nuts. Um, so it was kind of one of those things where I always just felt like I couldn't really do very much about it. It was one of those things where it was like, well, um, these people, these sick people have committed these crimes. Um, they've done it for X, Y, and Z reasons. I didn't think it would, had to do anything with transhumanism and what we're dealing with now. Um, but I always just thought it was kind of a play on power and money and resources. But I think it's much worse than that. And so, you know, two years ago when um, the jab mandate started, I said to myself, um, this is the end game. And, you know, as soon as they try to mandate jabs, I'm going to go public with this and I'm going to pursue it with all my might. Because if people really look at what's happening in the last 20 years and the type of control that exists on the planet, eventually they're going to go back to 9-11. And so, as you guys know, everybody's starting to wake up. Um, we still have people who are fast asleep. But, um, yeah, since day one, I've been questioning this. The evidence is overwhelming that no plane hit the Pentagon. I mean, it's just a little hole in the side and it went penetrated several walls deep. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's crazy. <clears throat> Absolutely. And when you take what I have, and this is hours upon hours upon hours of evidence, um, I can just come out and say there's, there's one suspect that I have that basically broke the dam to several other suspects. And this guy was inserted on site. Um, and I've got him on record saying that he held multiple positions. Um, the highest one that he said he held was the director of logistics position. Um, I'm filing FOIA requests on this stuff. And every time I file a FOIA request, everything comes back negative. Um, but but these, this guy, my lead suspect, um, he is now basically operating as a independent journalist. Um, he's got, you know, 50 some odd thousand people following him on YouTube, about 4 million views, but um, military industrial complex guy, central intelligence guy, a self-admitted techno spook. Um, he's gotten very comfortable in the last 20 years saying things that if you were there and you know what you're doing and you, and you really know the scene um, are so easily debunked. And, and he, I believe he was inserted by FEMA. I'm trying to figure that out, but um, you know, I can I can make a very evidence based case and show that this guy has um, familial connections that used to reach up to the very top of the Central Intelligence Agency. You know, it doesn't surprise me. And yeah, the more you look at it, the more it just seems like a, a bad B movie. I mean, it, I remember even they trotted Donald Rumsfeld out and he was there trying to clean up some of the mess and help the first responders. And I mean, it just the whole thing, it just stinks, you know, and, and so it really is nice to hear some firsthand experience from somebody who actually lived it, somebody who was there at the location on those days. Just jumping back for just a second here, like what do you suspect hit the Pentagon? Was it a, a cruise missile, which many people suspect? So I, I don't believe it was a missile. And I can get into that. And, and these are the things I don't like to share with a lot of people, but I trust you guys. Um, lo long story short, and I, and I have to answer this question with, you know, first by saying this, um, there are some people in the 9-11 truth movement have, who have developed theories. Um, these are very well-known people. And so I, I have challenged some of these people to debates and they have rant and they've basically run from me. Um, and so I've been kind of like really careful about what I say because I want to use these things um, against them. But um, I don't think it was a missile. And the reason being is because, um, A, what I have my suspect on record saying and his weapons expertise, his technical knowledge of weapon systems, of all sorts of things. But um, basically, um, are you guys familiar with the North approach versus the South approach? You guys have heard those two different arguments? Familiarize us. So they're, they're, the official narrative states that the plane approached from a certain angle south of the Sitco gas station. Oh, okay. right, um, the witnesses, yeah, the witnesses paint a different picture. Um, and ultimately, the ones that say that the south approach was legit were a lot of government officials and high-ranking military officials and members of the Gannett News Media Corporation. Big surprise there. But on the inside, the damage itself did not look like a missile. You know, missiles explode outwards. And if you can, and, and this would be so much easier if I had like a map and I do have a map and I do have pictures to show you guys next time we link up if you're interested, but um, I, I think it was an internally placed device. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because um, the, the crime scene in some specific areas, areas that had no proximity to the plane whatsoever, no like direct path of the plane, these people were, were killed. And in there, and there's one specific area, it, 
I, when I describe it to somebody that sounds like a, that knows like weapon systems, um, they say that it sounds like it has like a thermobaric um, presence. Are you familiar with thermobaric weapons? Negative. So th those were used, to my understanding, in the caves of Afghanistan. It, it basically, it, it's a type of explosive device that sends a shockwave down into a cave and basically kills people inside it from the shockwave. Uh, but there, there are different principles of that that, um, that go in line very well with the damage that was on site at the Pentagon. Um, but also the, the way that the crime scene was cordoned off, um, who did and who didn't have access to it. And, and this is where, like I said, I, I, I'm going to have to get into the evidence I have and the things that I have this guy, my suspect on record saying. Uh, but it, it, it just... An explosive, excuse me, a missile or a plane would have just done so much more damage. And this, this, the actual space itself, um, again, if I can use a map and I have this map, it'll be easier to show it to you. But the damage was so small, um, there's just no way. I, I think it was honestly an internally placed device. And um, that portion of the Pentagon was under construction. It had just basically been finished renovation. So they had access to put god only knows what in there um, that section of the pentagon there's also there's a cross section that's perfect for hiding a big cover-up so i don't know if you guys know the approach and how it was taken but the impossible maneuver made by hani Hanjor, who can't even fly a cessna um, and of course they it hit the perfect part of the building where the in the navy annex where the investigation to the missing trillions was taking place um, so there's so many things that add up but it's just i think it was an internally placed device and also the generator outside of the building. When I debate people on that, there are key components that I bring up. The official narrative states that a jet engine took out the the um, the generator. Um, I don't believe that's the case, and I can I can break down why that is the case. But I think it was some type of an internally placed thing, um, some type of a device, um, potentially a thermobaric weapon. Um, I don't like to use the word energy weapons because I don't know shit about those. And, and sure. a lot of people in the 9-11 truth movement get really hung up on Judy Wood um, and they say that she's a psyop. Um, so, yeah, that's my my reasoning. No, we'll just stick to what we know and what we can actually prove. And, of course, theories are, yeah. are fine. But, um, yeah, you know, it's funny because I uh, made a meme way back when of – Major General Albert Doublevine, if I'm saying that correctly, who actually is on record saying, quote, I saw a missile hitting the Pentagon, not a plane. All the sensors yeah. were turned off that day. One apparently did not turn off, and it shows that this object hits the Pentagon. It did not look like an airplane. So um, there, there is higher officials also speaking out about this. And as you had mentioned, it speaks to the continuity of the investigation with the 9-11 investigation with NIST, all the misinformation that was placed out there, all the sophistry. Um, yep. So you also had mentioned something crazy that kind of was surprising to read. You had mentioned that you were provided ammo when you were assigned to guard duty on 9-11. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So the, the first hint of foul play that I, um, I sensed, you know, on 9-11, everybody got patriotic. On the flip side of the coin, on 9-11, that was the day that I realized I could never do 20 years in the military. Um, so prior to us going on site at the Pentagon, and this is where I need to be very clear, um, I was in Alpha Company 3rd U.S. Infantry. We were not stationed at the Pentagon. We were stationed at Fort McNair, D.C., the very small base in southeastern D.C. Um, so the attack happened. We were basically instructed by the military district of Washington um, commander. His name is Major General James Jackson. Um, I've got a lot of things I'd like to discuss with you guys off record on him. I'm, he's a, also a person I'm investigating. But um, there was an order that came down because we didn't know what was going on. There was a lot of stuff flying around, a lot of rumors. So they basically said, you know, we want to beef up security at Fort McNair. Um, a lot of generals live there. The National Defense College is there. And so I was a private full of piss and vinegar. They needed volunteers, and I was like, let's go. And so I, I went down to the arms room to check out my, my M16, and the weapons specialist handed me, or the arms room specialist handed me an empty magazine. And I was like, excuse me, specialist, uh, we got an empty magazine here. And he said, and I'll never forget these words, um, you have not been authorized. Nobody has been authorized to use live rounds. And so I can sit here and look across the, the river and see smoke 
billowing from the Pentagon. I've got, you know, people that are in leadership positions above me sitting here saying, we don't know what's going on. We might go out on patrol. You know, all these attacks are happening and you they're giving me no weapons or no ammunition to guard this this base. And so that right then and there um, left a terrible taste in my mouth. And um, I, I pretty much knew that um, the army wasn't for me right then and there. And I, I went out to the uh, the front base. I'll never forget. There was this MP and uh, I asked her, I said, do you have any live rounds? And she said, yeah, I've got a nine miller, millimeter. I've got a few rounds. They didn't give her any additional rounds. And, uh, and really my journey kind of started at that moment. Um, why did nobody give us ammunition? If, if we went through Fort Benning and we were signed, sealed, delivered, stamped of approval from the US infantry school to, to do this, to serve in this capacity, something very simple is guarding a front gate and I didn't get live rounds. And we, as the crow flies, Fort McNair isn't even a couple miles from the Pentagon. So. Right. I know yeah. it's typical not to give large units live rounds when they like deploy to, to suburban areas or, you know, well-populated areas like that. But if you're on specific guard duty and actually have a, a guard mission, like the, and the fact that they didn't give you any ammo for that's definitely when there's, suspicious. there's not only, yeah, not only there's an imminent threat, but there, you know, we're not going off base. We would have been, we would have stayed inside the base. And, and so it just, it never made sense to me. No, that, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all, man. It's a, uh, I mean, like I said, I was in, I was in the Marine Corps and, you know, we rarely got live rounds, you know, because we were doing exercises and stuff, but uh, the only time we got live rounds is when we were going to probably need them <laughs> and an yeah. attack on the United States is probably a good reason to give people live rounds and they didn't. And so that just yeah. says something, you know, about, For sure. about what they knew or, <clears throat> um, yeah, maybe they knew that there was no threat. Well, and the guy that that issued the order for us to do that, I've got him on record. And these are these are C-SPAN videos. You can find these where he was doing presentations um, with the different leaders of that incident. You know, James Schwartz, um, Lee Evie, all these different people. He was the head of the Pentagon renovation program, um, among others. Um, and so that that is where it starts to get fishy. And I can show people with extreme evidence um, all of this. I think that's the thing, man. It's, you know, we're just trying to piece all this together. Obviously there's, there's parts that don't hold up. This doesn't make sense. There's a lot of suspicion, of course, but these are kind of the indicators that we need to know to be able to put all the pieces together. You know, of course, we're never going to have any smoking gun, uh, probably not any time in our lifetime anyway. So this is exactly what people like us who do value truth need to know. These are the details that are, you know, important to, to document. Now, we also saw right after the 9-11 attacks, this whole anthrax scare. And oddly enough, September 8th, which is my birthday, a few days before 9-11, Netflix, of course, rolled out a whole new documentary called uh, The Anthrax Attacks, just to kind of revive that fear mongering, try to you know make sure people are still living from all the terror that 9-11 really induced into our lives. You had mentioned that your... Uh, company actually had an anthrax attack on it as well oh, do yeah. you mind sharing that happy to and this is where it also gets interesting shortly after september 11th we received um, traces of anthrax in our company mailroom. Um, so this just wasn't something that came to fort mcnair and they decided to be secure and basically court on everything off this was found in our company mailroom. Um, so they shut everything down. They shut the mail room down. They shut the mail process and everything that we started getting um, went through this machine that basically nuked everything. It was I don't know how the technology works, but um, that always made no sense to me. I mean, we were a non-deployable unit that had the task of protecting the president. Alpha Company, 3rd U.S. Infantry. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old guard, but Alpha Company itself is the oldest active infantry company in the Army. So we protected the president. We did a lot of different things, presidential security detail missions on the White House lawn, foreign dignitaries, retirement ceremonies, Arlington Cemetery. Um, we did uh, missions at Dover when we received um, the remains from Iraq and Afghanistan, the fresh remains, they ceremoniously removed them from the planes. But, and we also were an infantry unit, but why were we a target? It makes no sense. And so when I started down this journey, um, I realized in June of 2021 that I had to get some legitimate researchers from the 9-11 community, the truth community, and just, you know, I had to get them involved. And 
one thing I've been able to find about this is that this anthrax attack, there's no public record of it. And I've got a buddy statement, a lay statement that I use in my VA case um, to prove this. Um, and it happened. They cordoned off, you know, the mail room got shut down. Everything was shut down. And for two to three weeks, this went on and nobody knew what was going on. And then all of a sudden, the process kind of stopped. Everything went back to normal. We weren't given an explanation. And everybody at the company was just kind of like, uh, why did that happen? Do we know what's happening? Um, so that, that's an anomaly. And um, I have verified with multiple researchers in the 9-11 community, there is no record of Fort McNair Alpha Company sustaining an anthrax attack. That's another thing I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Why would they specifically target your company? Like what significance does that have? And if anything, it just speaks to more of the suspicion behind all this. I mean, what's more likely? Uh, individual happens to see a, a terrorist attack or a quote terrorist attack, and then they decide to just haphazardly, randomly start sending out anthrax to a bunch of different places and, and people and, and government entities. Or this was a coordinated fear campaign to kind of complement the, the planes smashing into the buildings and to continue this whole war on terror mentality. Uh, mm -hmm. That seems like the more likely scenario to me. But of course, we'll, again, we'll never really know. This is just mm -hmm. speculation, but that's, that's the best we could do right now. And yeah, that whole anthrax thing, it just doesn't sit right with me even to this day. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Matt? Oh, it's crazy, man. We, we just, it was like produced and publicized. You remember they yeah. all the, they're holding up bags of white powder on TV and 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 telling everybody that anthrax is going to be, you know, is, is now being sent through the mail. And amazingly yeah. enough, no one died from it or anything, you know. And uh, and just years before that, I was actually part of the anthrax vaccine experiment in the military, uh, in the Marine Corps. It was actually a New York Times piece came out and showed how they were unlawfully ex experimenting on Marines with this anthrax vaccine. Uh, just so mm -hmm. happens to be a year before they before anthrax starts getting sent out to the mail to politicians, you know, and um, they actually pulled the plug on it because people were getting out. It was like, uh, like the vaccine mandate right now for military, you know, how some people would, it, it was like a, a line in the sand for them and they didn't, they were either getting out or they were taking a stand and, and refusing to get it. Like that's how it was with the anthrax vaccine, especially people getting their second doses because it's, it was, I got one dose and my arm swelled up the size of my leg. It was I crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so I was like, they're going to either kick me out or or I'm going to hide, you know. So I hid every time it was coming around for the second dose of anthrax. And I mean, I was laid up for days. It was it was a horrible, horrible thing. And um, and then it comes out that they were experimenting on us with that. And it wasn't, you know, they weren't they didn't have permission. It wasn't approved or anything to do that. And uh, and then a year later, we're seeing this anthrax being sent via the mail. And then we have politicians who are exclaiming that they are now taking anthrax vaccines and all that. So the way that it was, that it was presented and rolled out is like you said, Jason, it's like a, a B movie that's just so cheesy and like easy to predict and see now, you know, looking back on it. But I mean, back then I was all like, there's still an anthrax. We need to turn that place into a parking lot, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, that's the fact that it had and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> And I'll say this too, along the, and I'm, I didn't even get to, to mention this in the email, but it kind of transitions nicely into this. Right before I got out, in the months before I was getting out, there was this huge boost and like push to, to get everybody in my company smallpox vaccinated. It was the weirdest damn thing. And so a lot of guys had to go through the whole company. Um, and I kept saying to them, like, I was literally about the ETS. I was, I was about to go on terminal leave. And I was like, I'm not going and staying in. I'm not, I would have. If they tried to call me back in, I was going to fight it because I, I just I didn't want to be involved in the conflict in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I just didn't believe in it. But so they were pushing these smallpox vaccines and I didn't ever take one. But the aggressive nature that they were pushing with them was was weird. But it transitions perfectly into a potential another talking point, which I, I don't know if you guys want to transition to that next yet. But my my medical records and guys in my unit their medical records and my entire damn near military file is missing um, in 2017 and in 2019 i made official requests through the um, department of defense to get copies of these files and medical records um, because i've been in a fight with the va now for over almost 10 years this october will be 10 years um, and their official stance is well we can't prove you were at the pentagon so I had to get lay statements. I had to do all this stuff. 
Um, and, and here's the crazy thing. So I'm starting to interview people in my company because um, there's not a lot of historical record about the Pentagon and witnesses that were there um, that helped clean it up. But what I'm also finding is that these guys in my unit, there's a lot of people that can say the same. Their records are missing. And if they, I'm, I'm, I'm having them all now make official requests to see if this is something that's starting to you know, look like it's a, a chain of events that's continuing to happen throughout many people. So I don't know if you want to skip to that topic, but yeah, it, it, yeah there's something sure. fishy about that to me. I know. I mean, the VA has got a horrible track record when it comes to efficiency and record keeping and stuff. And um, when I had to, I had to sue the VA to get to find my records in 2019. And it took them a long time. They had completely lost all my records, but we eventually found like microfiche hard copies in new Orleans at MEPS where I left out of, and we were able to get it. And, but I mean, I had like a piece of paper, that's all I had, you know, and I, uh, that showed like that I, all these injuries that I sustained while I was in, and uh, finally, we got it through. I, but I suggest hiring an attorney for that, man, if you haven't already. Um, oh, I did that eight years ago. Wars do, it, do it for free, actually. You can go through them, and they have good attorneys over there that'll that'll seek that out. I mean, I'm, I'm, unless you've already exhausted that. Well, I, eight years ago, um, I did that. Because after, after they tell you no, you can get an attorney, and that's what I did. But what I found is that I hired an unscrupulous attorney that basically saw me as kind of a oh, well, I'm just going to drag this thing out because we got contractually bound. He got 20% of my back pay um, and, and they go back to day one. Well, I realized what this guy was doing and then I got involved with the DAV. But one thing else I want to say about the VA too, and I can prove all this. Um, I had my final hearing in May of 2021 and I thought everything was good to go. I had all my evidence lined up. It was perfect. But I wanted to do something differently. At this point in time, I was well on my way doing my 9-11 activism work. I had already started to establish guilty parties. And I'm not talking about, you know, the Zionists or the globalists or PNAC or the neocons. I'm talking ground floor level people with names that we can reach out and touch. Um, and so when I went in front of this VA judge at this final hearing, um, I said, hey, look, you know, I believe that 9-11 was an inside job. I have evidence. This is with a federal, you know, Veterans Administration judge. I have evidence proving all this stuff. Um, and so I, I consider myself to be a whistleblower. And so I wanted to say these things to this judge because I felt that they would have a responsibility to take action. Well, guess what happened? Three weeks later, and I can show you this letter, I received a letter in the mail saying that the recording device for the teleconference did not record all the conversation and um, we would have to do it again. And of course, it took them 11 months to schedule another final hearing, which I did that this year. I didn't say anything about September 11th this time because I don't want to keep dragging it out. But um, to me, that's fishy. That's extremely fishy. Um, I, I believe we have a justice system that is totally corrupted. Um, so that's another thing. Um, and, and, and 20 veterans are killing themselves each and every day. So I try to, to get very open and honest about my, my experience with the Veterans Administration because I'm of the opinion that these people in the highest echelons of that are uh, are getting veterans killed because they're not doing anything. Yeah. Well, if anybody is listening to this and they're still considering going into the, the service, the armed service, the military, the army, the air force, the Navy, this should be all the proof that you need to not do it. They don't care about you. They will not care about you. They will use the soldier and they'll ignore the veteran. And we've seen this over and over again. Like George Carlin says, they don't give a fuck about you. And no. that's the unfortunate truth. When you request these documents through the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, what do you get back? Is it just redacted documents or do you not get anything? Do they just stonewall you? Personal records documents? Whatever you're seeking, I suppose. So, so interesting. So in the two requests that I made for my medical records, my military records, this is where it gets interesting. They send me the shit that they, they, they did to me like when I was at the MEPS. And so, you know, Matt can tell you when you go into the military, they poke and prod you. You do all sorts of crazy shit at the MEPS. So they, they have all these MEPS packets on me. They have my National Guard paperwork prior to me ever going in. But once I get to active duty and specifically about the Pentagon, it all disappears. It goes away. So that's what I've been trying to request for a long time. I can't even get, I've got, of course, you know, my own personal that I was given when I got out of the army. I can't even get a DD-214, you know, riddle me that. 
Um, but but when I do FOIA requests now, um, and, and I'm, I'm working with a team of people now, thankfully, um, I, I realized when I really started to go down this road that I needed to get some people that have experience with FOIA requests and research. Um, the, the, the prime suspects that I have um, overwhelming evidence on using their own words, um, every single thing that we have filed as far as a FOIA request to get information on them comes back empty handed. Um, the last one we just got back uh, recently said that we, we tried to go from the, the Bureau of Land Management, BL, I think it's BLM, I think that's what it's called, but uh, they, they claimed that back in 2014, they destroyed all the records. So I'm like, okay, you know, is this like 1984 and the Ministry of Truth is now destroying, like, how do you destroy records about the most, the biggest crime that was ever committed um, in American soil, on American soil? So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get information on these people because what I can show crystal clear is that there seem to be like a, a, a an undercover kind of hierarchy. And these people um, had access to the crime scene beforehand. They had authority that seemed to go over top of James Schwartz. I actually have these guys now mincing words with James Schwartz. Um, James Schwartz doesn't do a lot of interviews and there's good reason for that. And so I've found some of these interviews and I've taken them, you know, over to my suspects and I've said to my suspects, hey, this is what the incident commander says about you. And then my suspect says crazy shit in return that, you know, I tried to get to James Schwartz. Um, you know, he was interviewed by a guy, I'm not gonna mention any names, he's a, he's a researcher, um, but I, I can make a very clear argument that there is not a, an ounce of researcher inside of him and that he's working very hard to basically um, keep the truth under wraps. But um, yeah, it, it's it's it, 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 it's a dumpster fire of shit. And it, if somebody, if anybody's listening to this in the FBI or Department of Justice, I can prove all this. I mean, th this is so easily proven. What uh, you mentioned something in your notes about the Orion Project. What is that? So that is my efforts. Um, I just realized that being a firsthand witness was not enough. I can sit there and say till I'm blue in the face. Um, that I didn't see any of these things, that I'm a credible witness because I have this experience. Um, and, and so the Orion Project, um, I, I'm a big you know, nerd when it comes to astronomy. I just think it's cool. But Orion is, I jokingly say, the baddest hunter in the sky. And so um, what that is is my effort to kind of um, you know, promote activism, um, get a team of people together. Um, we, I've, I've taken a lot of time to find the right people um, on this subject. Um, there's, there's a lot of new information coming out, especially on this subject, but, you know, I basically wanted to find the experts and like a puzzle, put everything together. And, and so, um, my goal is to eventually through social media, a lot of different other outlets to kind of project Veritas, some of these people that I have on record, because I, I hate to say it due to my experiences with the VA and just due to what I know about the American justice system, I don't think we're going to get justice from 9-11 in the courts. I think where justice will come is out in the open, you know, shedding light, illuminating these people and, and pushing them so far away from society that they either kill themselves or they're so scared to come out of hiding that they just go to their little islands and nobody hears from them again. So yeah, that's what the Orion Project is. A lot of people are calling or still been calling for a new investigation and it just seems kind of futile and almost silly to me. I mean, we know that these people have already botched one investigation, whether intentional or incompetence. Um, so the, the idea that, as you said, you know, that we're going to get any justice through the courts, uh, it just seems kind of naive to me. Unfortunately, this is all, they're all intercluded. They're all one big group, one big circle. Um, that might sound like a bit of a surprise to some people who aren't paying attention, but uh, there's, there's a lot of collusion there. Um, have you talked with the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth or the pilots for 9-11 Truth? Have you had any conversations with those guys? Oh, yeah. So um, architects and engineers, there was um, a, a change in their leadership over there. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Richard Gage. He started that organization um, and, and he is now no longer participating there. Um, so the, the people that I know, like... Um, Xander Arena, I mentioned him before. He does some work with them. Um, I've talked with some of the other people in the background there. Craig McKee, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard um, any of his stuff. He's got a, a blog that he talks quite a bit there. But um, I, I really don't get too, too, too heavily involved with them because they stick to that component of what happened. I love that they have 
spread so much awareness. I think that is the marquee gold standard as far as the Twin Towers and Building 7 are concerned. Yeah. Um, but Pilots for 9-11 Truth, I don't know if you're familiar with that story. Um, it was, I believe, originally started by two guys, but it was primarily headed by a guy named Rob Balsamo. I do use some of his uh, work when it comes to debating and breaking down the crime scene, but unfortunately he passed away. Um, there is a gentleman named Captain Dan Hanley, who I'm extremely proud to say is a good friend that started 911pilots.org. Um, I highly recommend people check him out on my YouTube channel. It's very limited. I haven't really put a lot of stuff out publicly, but I did interview him and he paints a very real picture about just the FAA and how them and uh, he, he was basically stonewalled by his airline, pushed out of, um, of the industry, um, deemed insane, lost millions of dollars in pension. Um, his own kids won't even talk to him. Um, he, he is a hell of an activist and he's given a lot to, to the efforts, but um, I, I'm, I'm working on some initiatives with him, um, but but yeah, he. If you guys haven't had a chance to to check out his work, I would highly recommend doing that. Um, and I'd be happy to make an introduction to you guys if you're interested. We actually had Richard Gage on the um, on our podcast not too long ago for like the anniversary of 9/11. I get what shit. It was a long time ago, maybe three years or something like that. I was I was unaware that he was uh, not with them anymore. Yeah, my understanding is that he kept going and talking about COVID, which I agree. I think that the two, 9-11 and COVID, are connected. But my understanding is that they, they wanted him to stick to, you know, architects and engineers, the towers, what their bread and butter was, and he just kept steering a little bit away from that. And I'm not saying anything that I don't think he would say. Um, there, there are some interesting uh, components to Richard Gage, and I, and I would ask him these questions publicly, but... Um, I'd like to hold off. We'll we'll talk about that off off record if that's cool. But um, as much as I have been investigating the nefarious elements that were on site at the Pentagon, another component of my work is investigating the 9/11 Truth Movement um, because I think that in order for the criminals to get away with what they did, uh, there would have to be elements within the Truth Movement as well that were operating um, nefariously. And much like these elements that were on site at the Pentagon, there are some researchers and scientists that have gotten very comfortable in their um, in their ways over the years. And um, I've got some some pretty bad shit on these people. Um, so so I don't know. A lot of people call it the um, the 9-11 kook movement. They, they say that there's a lot of kooks. Um, I call it the spook movement. Um, so I, I, I could just say there, there's a lot that's going to be coming down the pike in that regard. So it's just my interactions with some of these truthers um, makes no sense. And they've yeah. been working hard to suppress me, to smear me, to make me out like I'm this crazed, um, PTSD-ridden, um, just lunatic. And um, I don't think I'm any of that. So, Man, you just sounds like you're asking questions based on empirical observations and firsthand experience. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. And there's no reason oh. to call somebody a kook for doing that. That's like a natural human tendency. And unfortunately, so many people are been conditioned to rely on the authority to tell them what to think and so they don't even question it and they just take that authority for for gospel and then shun everybody else like you who wants to actually question uh these official stories that i mean it's if if they made sense you know then it would then it would be easier to not question it you know but just looking at the pictures like you said of the pentagon and and tower seven saying that it, it collapsed because some office furniture caught on fire and, and it fell freeze fall speed into its own there's so many holes that that don't hold up and the evidence trying to keep it together put together by nist is just it's flimsy and, and you don't need to be like a rocket scientist or an, uh, even an engineer to to look at that and say that it doesn't hold up you know sure. but yet here come people like i had we had a recent post on twitter uh last week that they had a a, a building in shanghai um or shenzhen oh, yeah. china that was mm -hmm. engulfed in flames for for hours and it didn't even nothing fell off of it, you know, and I mean, I'm talking yeah. the entire building was up in flames and completely engulfed in flames. And I mean, it got luckily it got put out, but it didn't fall on its own footprint and it didn't even fall. Nothing even fell off of it. You know, none of the nothing, no balconies came crumbling down or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And all like it went super viral on my Twitter and all these people came out there and they're like, well, planes didn't hit that one. And we're like, 
dude, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about Tower 7 where no planes hit it, you know? Yeah. So there's still, that just shows how many people still don't even understand or grasp the reality that is, you know, that is 9-11 and everything that unfolded that day and the, the mental gymnastics you have to do to think that those fires and planes crashing in the buildings made them go like yeah. this. I mean, yeah. That's that's what they have the firemen and uh, or fire superintendents in New York. You know, like a couple of years ago, they all signed on to these affidavits stating that they think that explosions had brought down the buildings, uh, mm -hmm. that planted explosives or some other form of like nanothermite or something was what brought down the buildings. Because that's why these thousands of engineers and architects all put this this hard work in to to show that and. Um, they're trying to go through the courts. Architects and engineers are, you know, they're, 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 they have a federal case and they've been making some headway. They have some pretty good attorneys over there. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> one of these days we might see some kind of small lower court ruling that allows that information to be challenged or whatever. But uh, yeah. until then it's up to us and that's what we're doing right here right now, you know, that's right. Well, I would suggest too, Matt, like it's not just the low effort, thinkers who, you know, are glued to the mainstream version of events, those people are certainly problematic. But I would say it's actually the polar opposite has been kind of problematic, too, right? We've seen a lot of really strange theories about 9-11. And, you know, one of them being the no planes theory, you know, it was just all holograms. Um, these these things tend to bend reality a little too far to the point where people just, yeah, write them off as conspiracy theories. And I, I get it. Like I'm, I'm all for questioning things, but I think there is a rogue element who is incentivized by clicks, by views, by ad revenue, who will just come up with these preposterous ideas that sound kind of extreme and crazy because they know it's a new theory that nobody's really heard before. And it's kind of captivating in a way. So people will just come up with the craziest stuff. I think maybe that's what Adam has experienced a little bit. And maybe some of these people are, yeah, maybe they're fed boys, especially if they're calling you out or trying to challenge you on your experience. Uh, you're, you know, you were there. I mean, it's kind of hard to say, well, my theory is superior to yours, even though you were on the ground there, Adam. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just going to say guys off, off record. I, I don't want to mention names right now because I don't know the legal ramifications for doing so. But as soon as we're done here, I, I could send you guys, or we could we could have a long conversation. I could show you emails. I could show you all sorts of stuff. People that claim, I mean, these these are the highest, most out there truthers, the, the popular ones. Um, I've got them, and it, it's 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 incredibly damning. And you know, I, I've said to these people, you guys can say whatever the hell you want to say and attack a researcher however you want to, but you're trying to gaslight, you're trying to manipulate, you're trying to lie to a, a firsthand witness. And not only that, I've got these people on record trying to push me as far and as fast as they can away from my lead suspect. Mm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably know some of these people who you're not saying right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some of these people agree with me. Wait, not the ones that are trying to push you away, right? The, uh, well, the ones that are trying to, to act crazy, I've, I've, I've called them out on it, and now they're all in line, and they're, they're all you know, really nice to me. That's not the case. They're, their little outfit is playing good cop, bad cop with me. And now they're in the point where they're just ignoring me, and they're trying to make me out to be crazy. But, um, yeah, and the people that do agree with me on the issue, we, we disagree on some things, but there's been some interactions that have occurred that lead me to believe that they're, they're trying to kind of attach my name to certain people that have, I guess, um, through the years been dubbed as kooks. And um, so it's like, okay, well, if we can't get you to say anything um, directly, we'll just attach you to these guys who are former Alex Jones guys. And then you got, you can just sail off into the Alex Jones sunset and people are going to dismiss you right off the bat. Right. So, yeah. Now we're certainly seeing a lot of that. In fact, uh, we just recently uh, had a, a post that included Alex Jones in it go mega viral. And instead of anybody, it, it trended on Twitter. It was being Kyrie talked Irving, about by the basketball player tweeted or re, re shared it on Instagram, post on Instagram. That's what happened. Yeah. And without anybody actually listening to what Alex Jones had to say back in 2002, and which was spot on, you know, mm -hmm. um, instead, uh, everybody was basically just smearing him. 
and the mm-hmm. fact that he's a quote hoaxer from the Sandy Hook claims that he had made. So that is certainly an effective strategy, and it doesn't surprise me if they are indeed employing it on you. Now, earlier in the conversation, I don't remember what context you had mentioned it, but you had mentioned Gannett, which is uh, a publishing company that owns USA Today. It also owns nearly 400 American newspapers across 39 states. They own a shitload of publication uh, across the US. And that is kind of troublesome because that means they have uh, a stronghold on the media narrative. So can you... Uh, back up again, just for a second, yeah. and explain what how you uh, were referring to them as. So the information surrounding the Pentagon and 9-11 is all over. It's scattered to the wind. Um, and so what I'm attempting to do is take all the information and put it into one place. And, and so that involves the witness statements, that involves everything. But the, the, the witnesses that I am most interested in are the ones that specifically said, we saw a plane go into the building. And um, getting that final definitive number of people that can make that claim, um, it, it, there's a lot of people that argue the actual number of people, and I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of that. Um, when it comes to witnesses, I lean heavily on some people on my team because they've been at it for years, and, and I would love to introduce you to these people. But um, allegedly, um, the small fraction of people that say that they actually saw a plane hit the building Several of them worked for the Gannett News Media Corporation. Mm. Um, And there was also um, several high-ranking military officials. And then the Pentagon's public affairs special person, I believe that was. So there's a very small window of people that actually say, I believe, that a plane hit the building. I'm getting to the bottom of that. But that's another component of why I had to go out and get help, because there's so much information. Yeah, boy, that seems like a, a big red flag, doesn't it? My uh, my spidey senses are tingling for sure. We've actually reported on the Gannett company before. Whenever, uh, like after they do like a mass shooting or whatever, they'll put this same narrative out in multiple states, and we we caught it. Like there was these headlines that were running in in multiple states under different media outlet names. You know, it's it's all under the USA Today kind of format for their websites, but it's. It's like the Daily Bugle or whatever like that. And they were um, they were the the stories were like mass shootings in Florida increased to 34 in 2020 mass shootings in Tennessee. Have in, and it's all the same story, the exact same format, but formulated for each state. And then mm-hmm. in states where they didn't um, have any like mass shootings they, or they went down, they, they did the same thing. Mass shootings down in here, but up here, up here. And it was uh, it, 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 these were all formulated to be, to look like different news outlets and different um, and different states all putting out different stories. But they were they didn't even take the time to change up the headlines. The headlines were exactly the same except for the state name, you know, and they, they just mm-hmm. ran the exact same story to push the exact same narrative in every single state for, uh, you know, just just to do that. We've seen that take place with video as well with that that crazy shit that happened during COVID. This is a danger to our democracy. You know, when there was like a hundred different news outlets all repeating the same narrative, it's a, uh, it's pretty crazy, man, that oh yeah, it's, it's right there. If you just look, you, you can see it. It's right there. They're, they're not hiding it. You know, this isn't, it's, it's all owned by Gannett. You scroll down to the bottom of the website, you can see who, who owns the actual website. But like I said, it's the daily, whatever at the top of it and, and a different media outlet name. And it's, but they're all pushing the exact same information from the centralized corporation. I guarantee we could probably find ties to this, the Council on Foreign Relations oh, yeah. um, very easily. <laughs> yeah. And there's it, within the Orion Project, there's a gentleman that um, we've decided that that's going to be kind of one area where him and I team up on just the ways that the media was used to manipulate from, from day one. Um, some of these interviews that they gave, specifically, there's one when they were interviewing the, um, the, the, the people out at uh, the, the school where Hani Hanjur allegedly was trying to become a pilot, you know, um, and he, he went to several places, but the Bowie Flight School, where he wanted to do a test run with a Cessna, um, you know, the, the head of that institute said that, oh, it's not, it, it, it's totally logical for somebody, you know, with his skill to fly into a building. It's like, come on, dude. Uh, but but yeah, there, there's, and then a CNN, of course, there was a CNN report, one person, I, I forget his name, unfortunately, but on the day that it happened, he actually sat there and was like, you can't see uh, a commercial airline. And he, he, this is CNN, and he's sitting there saying all these things. 
And then, you know, that went out the window. They never, ever said anything about that again. But we're, that's there's... the one I got fact-checked on. Sorry to interrupt you on. They oh, say the fine. video was edited. They say that there was a, a piece of the video where uh, Joel McIntyre, I believe the reporter's name was, actually yeah. confirms that there was a, a plane or pieces of plane there. But then apparently they said it was deceptively edited. And we actually got three fact-checks on that one video. So, <laughs> but yet I remember just recently actually seeing, I can't bring it up now. I can't find it, of course, but uh, one of the pilots for 9-11 Truth talking about how difficult a maneuver it really would have been for an amateur pilot to do basically a corkscrew uh, and then line up completely evenly with the ground to smash into the Pentagon. I'm not a pilot. I don't know all the ins and outs and terminology yeah. and everything, but then we don't even see any skid marks or anything prior to leading up to the, the collision with the Pentagon. So, I mean, there's just, <laughs> there's so many issues here with the story, you know, but we are getting close to the end of the podcast here. And we always try to talk about solutions at the end so we could maybe figure out a way forward. So what are some of your suggestions as to the path forward with this type of work? Well, earlier in the conversation, we talked about how there was no smoking guns. And I, I can say definitively, you know, I can look right here into the camera as stone cold sober and say, guys, we've got that now. Um, and in the last year and a half since I stumbled, this was stupid luck. I'm not saying I'm anybody special. I just started asking questions and, you know, I, these people weren't prepared for that. And they, in that, point they said things and, and these things are extremely damning and so what I'm going to be doing um, is is creating you know different types of um, just uh, productions collaborations putting them on YouTube putting them all over the place uh, very fortunate to have a, a great group of followers on my social media that share information that are very interested in this subject but I'm just going to keep telling my story and I'm going to keep showing the evidence that I've brought up and it's the evidence speaks for itself and and ultimately you know, it's it's one of those things where the truth always shines and everything else takes the bus. And so, you know, I made a decision um, a long time ago that I was going to pursue this at all costs. Um, you know, when my book comes out, you guys are going to read about my life. And it was basically a 40 year case study in PTSD. My, my I'm the third of a now fourth, journey, uh, fourth uh, generation serving in the military in my family. And so Sun Tzu said that all warfare is created in deception. And so um, I think it can very easily be stated and shown that 9-11, specifically what happened at the Pentagon was Operation Northwoods, you know, 2001. And, and really, it's just about, for me, putting this information out and organizing it in a very linear fashion so that people can follow it. I want to make it easy. I don't even want people to read. I want them to just sit back and watch. And, um, you know, I'm going to keep asking these people questions. Um, there, there is a, a ton of information that's out there. And I guess you could say I'm very confident that when I show it to people like yourselves and other people that have listened, um, they're going to see it clear as day. And so um, fortunately, fortunately for me, the suspects that I go after, um, they're very active on social media. And I'm just going to say it once my um, collaborations and my video productions are done. I'm planning on going over and basically encouraging my people to go and cut and paste all over their social media and just blanket their social media with my videos and my evidence. And I'm going to turn their people against them. And um, God only knows where it goes then, but these people are going to have to answer for what they've said. And that's in my opinion, when we win. Thanks for listening. Freethinkers. The episode isn't quite over yet, but I wanted to take a moment to ask you to please rate review and subscribe to this podcast. Also, if you enjoyed it, Please remember we are funded by people like you who know that the mainstream is squeezing alternative media like us out. It's getting harder and harder to do this work, so please go to thefreethoughtproject.com and check out the membership section at the top where you can sign up to support us for just $5 a month, which ensures we stick around. Also, you could do a one-time donation at that link. Thanks again, Freethinkers. Well, yeah, please let us know when that day comes as well. We'd love to coordinate and, and try to amplify any type of information you would like to get out there. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely important. You know, Before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to plug? I know you had just mentioned your social media. Is there a place where people could find you? Is there a website? Um, yeah. So my, I've got a YouTube and I've got it. My, my Instagram is primarily where I'm the most active. Um, I realized about a year and a half ago, though, that that's a terrible... Um, outlet for activism because everything's shadow banned. They see everything. They can control it. 
And so I, I try to show a little glimpse of what I'm working on just to show little carrots to say, hey, guys, you know, I'm still doing this. Stay tuned. But when you make the claims that I make and when you say the things that I say um, and when you go after the people that I'm going after, it needs to be solid and, and it's there. Uh, but but I'm just asking people just go to my Instagram, Awakened Adam, just like it sounds, you know, one word and just stay tuned. Awesome, brother. Is there anything else that you feel like we should talk about before we wrap this up that we didn't get to? Is sure. Um, I'll tell you, um, I'd like to invite both of you guys at your leisure. I know you guys are extremely busy, but um, if you guys want to take some time, multiple days, one big sitting, I will happily walk you guys through everything. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that, man. I want to do that. I think uh, you guys will like it. You know, your work is monumental, man. 9-11 uh, Truth really is the linchpin to exposing the vast corruption and continuity of tyranny that we've really seen been consistent uh, over the past 21 years, regardless of, you know, what party affiliation or administration has control over the White House. Um, so, yeah, your firsthand experience and perspective as a witness to the Pentagon attack is definitely invaluable. And thank you so much, man. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your motivation. Thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much. And I also want to say, Matt, thank you for your service. I appreciate that, brother. Right um, on, man. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's you know, of course, let's let's get on the calendar. I, I, I really think you guys are going to want to see some of this stuff. Sure. So, Definitely. Cool. Awesome. All right, Adam. Thank you so much for your time, brother. Thanks, guys.